welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Okay, fantastic. So like Ollie said, we are um, in the middle of a series in Thessalonians. So I'm just going to get myself a little stopwatch so we're not here all day. Um, and we're in 1 Thessalonians 5 today, and this, this whole letter's been written to this church. They're fresh out of the box. They've only been, been in church for a few months. And Paul kind of has, has taught them through some theology and given them some encouragement, and now he's leaving them this today and next week. He's leaving them with an encouragement. Okay, what does it look like? What does Christian community, what does doing faith together look like before Jesus comes back? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today and then next week. Um, And I'm going to just read to us from 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 12 to 15. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you, as an old word for teach you, warn you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. Okay, so the key part of this passage, the bit that it all turns on, as it often is, is that bit in the middle, what Paul says he wants the community of Jesus' followers in Thessalonica to look like, to live in peace with each other. Is there anyone here who, when you think about your office, you're like, I'd love that to be a place where we lived in peace with each other? Or when you think about your family, Christmas is coming, okay? Anyone thinking about their Christmas dinner table already and going, I wish that would be a place of peace, where we were at peace with each other. And I imagine how much harder that would be in this fresh out the box, brand new church, where they're all coming from different, they've got different racial backgrounds, a range of socioeconomic kind of um, experiences, probably a range of different political opinions, a range of different spiritualities they've been involved with. And now they're trying to live life together and look after each other and follow Jesus together. It's difficult, isn't it, actually? Like being told you need to be a people of peace, we need to hear it because it doesn't come naturally or easily, does it? And so we've called this talk being a community of God's peace. So this idea that it's, it's not just about a peace which is kind of on the surface where we just pretend everything is nice. And we talk as little about deep topics as possible because that feels more comfortable. Okay, that can be one option for feeling peaceful. We don't want to do that. We really want to be a people of God and that means being in each other's lives and really looking after each other, as we'll see. Um, And so Paul wants us to dig into that a little bit and think about that. So that's what we're going to do. So the first thing Paul talks about in this context of building a community of God's peace is leaders and how to treat them. Verses 12 to 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge, that's like respect, look up to, say that they're there, listen to those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish or teach you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Okay, so this is a fun one to teach you as someone who leads, helps lead the site here. Okay, so what I'm basically saying is that you need to give me a nice fat paycheck, you need to listen to everything I say, and do exactly what I tell you, Right? (laughs) Jeff says amen, everyone else, you shuddered, you shuddered well, good job. Um, I I actually find it really uncomfortable to talk about authority and being in leadership over people, and I think a lot of us do, actually. We find it uncomfortable to be in a place of authority, 
And we, we find when people say that about us, we feel odd about it. And, and honestly, we've got really good reason. We're children of the 20th and 21st centuries, aren't we? We are very aware of how wrong authority can go, how badly it can be used, and how damaging that can be to people. On a, on a personal scale, a family scale, on a work level, and on a, a governmental level, and on an international level, we know that. And so it's really hard for us. So we're aware that we are also not perfect, and so our brokenness and our difficulty just gets made bigger, and we think, if I have authority and leadership, I'm just going to hurt people like other people do. And Okay. Church shouldn't be like that. Paul, in these couple of verses, talks about what leadership can look like and what it can look like and should look like in a Christian context that actually really helps us with some of those worries that we might have around saying yes to leaders or to following leaders, actually. We've got a little table there. Excellent, thank you so much. All right, so we've, Paul, in these couple of verses, what do leaders do and what do people led by them do? Okay, so... If you are a leader, you have authority. Okay, that's kind of, that's the leadership thing. If you've ever been in a place where, if you, I don't know if you've ever had this, you've got a group of people and suddenly someone says, this needs doing, and everyone sort of looks at each other sideways and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen until someone says, let's do it, and someone starts to step into leadership. There's a necessity for there to be some level of authority and leadership if stuff's going to get done. But they work hard among you and they care for you in the Lord. Okay, those are two baseline things. When the, the word care for and work hard could be translated labor for. If you go to a building site, the laborer is the one carrying most of the bricks and getting paid the least. Okay, that's the laborer. That's the picture that we've got, that they work hard and they care very deeply. So this already helps us, doesn't it, with this worry we have about authority. If someone works really hard for you and cares very deeply for you, you're much more likely to listen to them if they want to teach you and to look up to them and follow them if they ask you to, aren't you? That's much safer and much more positive than a lot of leadership that we, can, might, we might see around us that we might have had um, interactions with. And they also teach. They use their gifts. They bring the Bible. They bring their experience. And they try and teach and help other people around them, again, in love with hard work and care. And what we do... Um, all of us actually are under leaders as well, if we're Christians. So um, Jeff and I, we have Andrew and Rosie, our senior pastors. We've also been part of small groups with different leaders, haven't we? We're, if we're involved in different, different things, we'll have different people leading us. And actually, we need to listen to those people and care for them and love them as well and try and understand and respect them. That's, that's kind of just how good community works. And I think we're called as church to do that, but do it well and in a way that we're just... If you talk about how leaders look, I think I had this um, moment on one of our like rooted courses, our newcomer courses, where I was talking someone through, like, hey, what, what's your have pastors? Do you have bishops? Do you have oversight people? Like, who are they? And I said, well, interestingly, our bishop, so the guy who runs our church, also helps run the whole of the vineyard. His name's Andrew. He goes to this church, and he's over there. He's washing up, and this person was just blown away by the idea that that the bishop would wash up. But that shouldn't be a blow-us-away idea. It should be very normal that they work hard and they care deeply for us. And that's where Christian authority and leadership come from. So if you want to be a leader here, join the hospitality team. Just saying. <laughs> so being a community of God's peace requires leadership. It doesn't require the hospitality team. That was a joke, sorry. It requires leadership. It also requires teaching. Okay, it's another thing that we can find a little bit concerning and confusing from our, when we come in from the world around us. Verse 14, 
we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn. So that's actually the same Greek word. I'm not quite sure why it's translated two different ways in the NIV, but it's just admonish, the same word in verse 12. Those who admonish and teach, those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Okay, so this bit of the passage shows that Paul, who wrote it, has actually met humans. He's met humans, and he knows what they are like, and then he makes assumptions about them that we can have from our... Sorry, I need a drink. I'm, trying to, very, I'm not very subtle, sorry, with my, <laughs> with my beckoning. Thank you so much. Paul's actually met humans, okay, and he makes three assumptions about these humans that he has met in the context of church. One is, he assumes they will try to live together in community, okay? That they will try to live together in community. Otherwise, these kind of things, the difficulty wouldn't come up. If all church is, okay, is I get up on a Sunday morning, I brush my hair, I come to a thing, and I hear some music, and I listen to someone talk for too long, um, and, then, and then I have some coffee and I go home. If that's all I do, and it's just me, I don't need any of this. I don't need to be patient with anybody or listen to anybody or encourage anybody. I only need to do that if the reason that I come to a Sunday or come to a small group or come to a clothes swap that's a churchy thing or have Christian friends or um, go to that. There's a, there's a bike group on a Sunday morning. Some of them go out. I mean, that's, that's not me, but if that's you, that's great. If we go to these places where we connect with each other and, and socialize and try and help each other in Jesus and live together in community... That's when these problems come up, isn't it? So Paul's making that assumption that we aren't just showing up and going home, that we are trying to live in a deep level of Christian community. Okay, that's his assumption. Second assumption is that there will be some people in that community who are struggling. Okay, there will be some people who are, and he names three different types of people that um, we might be familiar with. There are people who are weaker, perhaps physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, just struggling, just just weak, just struggling, just in pain right now. There are those who've become disheartened, so people who are discouraged or despairing. If you've ever heard that being depressed or anxious or sad isn't a Christian thing, Paul assumes that some people in church will be anxious and sad and depressed and despairing. He, doesn't, he values those people, okay? That's our, that's our third thing. He assumes they're in church. And there'll also be those who are idle, which is this word from a kind of military sense, which just means not really pulling your weight. Paul assumes that in any given Christian community, any given moment, those three types of people will be in there. Now, you might be able to name some of those people, if you weren't being very kind. (laughs) You might be aware that that's you, or that that has been you at different moments. Paul assumes that we're in community, he assumes that those people are present, and he assumes that those people have value. Did you pick up on that? He assumes that those people have value, deep value value because otherwise no it's the way he doesn't say what he doesn't say is become frustrated with the idol despair of the disheartened and push the weak to the edges so that the strong can build a strong church he doesn't say that okay that could those can be in honest honest moments those can be our reactions can't they it's like do you know what if all the people who needed help go out of my life my life would be better like that's <laughs> do you, is that just me okay well i repent i'm sorry that's not, that's not God's heart. It's not Paul's heart. He sees those people as having infinite value. He wants us to spend our time as a community helping and encouraging and being patient and teaching and looking after those people. Okay. 
But the other thing he doesn't do is he doesn't say, just pretend it's all right and carry on. Just be nice to each other while people are struggling. Just, just be nice. Just have it on the set. Have we got a uh, have we got a personal trainer picture? Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> so, so I know, I know. Just caveat: I know that there are female personal trainers as well. Um, but as I'm coming through, often uh, my, through my local park on the way to work, there's one of these: a big, big, muscly guy wearing a vest, even in the depths of winter. Um, I worry about him. I'm, I'm old enough now to just worry whether he's going to catch a cold. Um, it's very distracting. So, so that's, that's who we're, that's who we might feel like when we're very strong and our, our, we're, not, we're not feeling weak, we're not feeling down, we're not feeling despairing, we're, we're busy for God, we're strong. And then um, someone, we might feel a bit like that. And then someone comes past you, you're this PT in the park, physical personal trainer, you've got your vest on, you've got your muscles out. Someone comes past you in the park and they've got a really big heavy bag. Okay, they're just weighed down under their bag. And you, the strong personal trainer, you say, oh, I'll carry your bag for you. Let me take that, because I'm, I'm not just a personal trainer, I'm also a Christian. And that means I take your bag from you and I put it on my back. Oh, and it's heavy, but I'm, I'm strong, I'm okay, I can do this, and you carry on. And then you meet another person, and they've got a bag. And you're like, okay, I'll take, I'll, I'm strong, I'm a, I'll take your bag, I'm a Christian, and I'm strong, so I'll take your bag. Oh, gosh, this is... It's getting a bit much out, two bags. And then another person comes along and they have a bag. Okay? Now, as a personal trainer, as, as someone or as someone who's strong in faith or someone who's at a good moment in your life, or even just someone who has a skill that someone else doesn't have. Okay, maybe you've got a skill with the Bible, maybe you've got a skill with money, maybe you've got a skill with parenting, and you see someone else struggling. Okay, you're a bit like the personal trainer, you have a choice. You could take their bag if you want, and you can help them with it. Maybe that's the right decision for a while. But actually, the, the brilliance of the personal trainer is that they can do a lot more for you than just carry your bag, can't they? They can help you. They can give you a, an exercise regime. They can help you with your diet. They can help you with your routines. They can give you some things to, to find those abs that got lost somewhere 20 years ago. We don't know what happened to them. They can help you work on your core strength and your fitness and your health until one day, do you know what you can do? You can carry your bag. Now that's, we get a bit cagey about teaching this idea that we're all supposed to teach each other, admonish. Sounds a very strong word, I don't want to admonish anyone. I'll, I'll gently care, but I don't want to admonish them. But actually, actually, it's really important that in a Christian community, if we're going to do this well and we're going to help each other follow Jesus, there are things that we need to do which are a little bit countercultural. One is be honest about where we're weak and struggling so that we can accept help. And the other thing is that we're secure enough when we are in a good place or when we have got a gift in a certain area that we're secure enough to say, let me help you. And that we teach and we bring those people along with us. I've got a friend who got paid a really good salary, but actually was still in debt through a lot of different things. And she kind of brought this to her small group as a, like a real moment of weakness and just said, I'm, I'm really struggling with money. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. And this friend in the small group happened to be an accountant. And he said, let's sit down. Let me sit down with you. Show me your stuff. A really vulnerable thing for that, actually for them both to do. And she's now at a point where her, her budget is sorted and she's on the way out another side into a much better place financially. We don't have all the answers on our own. We don't have all the skills we need. And actually, I think God likes it that way because he wants us to be humble and he wants us to help each other. 
And interesting as well, those things, the teaching, the encouraging, the helping, they're very similar to the marks of a leader earlier on, aren't they? Leaders are to be loved for the work that they do, we're to, to show them love for the role that they're in, not for the title they have. And so actually, this is what God is asking us to do as a community, is to lead and teach and help each other. And then, again, showing that Paul knows actual humans, his next thing he says, be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. We are playing a really long game with each other, aren't we? To enter into a community that's servant-hearted and teaching and mutually leading, actively loving, serving, teaching, growing, it's a lifetime of work, isn't it? People take a long, abs take a long time. People take a long time to grow and learn and change. And that's what we're here for, is walking with them, with our wisdom and our experience, where we're strong, helping their weakness, where we're weak, asking for help, doing those things together. It takes a long time. It takes patience to trust God with that person. And it takes patience to do that with ourselves too, doesn't it? To keep coming back again and again to our communities and our friends and say, I'm sorry, I need help. It's hard to do. So the community of peace that God wants to build needs leaders, it needs teaching, it needs patience, and it needs one more thing. Which I'm sure it needs more, but Paul just says one more thing, so we'll say that. Verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Okay, so here's a question that I like to throw, I, I sometimes lead our kids' groups, um, and I like throwing in this question when things have got boring and the kids think they know all the answers. Okay. Is God fair? Ooh, does God treat people fairly? Okay, we've got a, we've got a resounding yes. God treats people fairly. Okay, cool. Is this fair? Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what's good for each other and for everyone else. The other thing that happens, not so much in kids' groups, sometimes in my house, is she hit me first. Okay. The murderer should go to prison, right? That's fair. The thief should be made to pay back, shouldn't they? The company you messed up should compensate, right? Yes, that's justice. That's wrong for wrong. Okay. Now, Paul isn't writing to the criminal justice system. Okay, just to say, like he's, I'm not saying, do you know what we heard at church today? We heard that everyone should go free and we shouldn't have a criminal justice system. It should all just be fine. Do whatever you like. We just forgive you because we're Christians. That's, the Bible is very, very clear on the justice of God as well. Okay? What Paul is writing to is a group of people who are trying to follow Jesus together. And so what he's doing is talking relationally, okay, relationally about, I have a choice when... You do something, I'm just pointing at you because you're close. Sorry, husband. <laughs> you can all come and pray for us later. Um, I have to, if you do something to me, and it would be just to do something back to you, I have a choice to forego that, that fairness, that doing the wrong back, because actually I think that building our relationship or building our friendship or our community is more important than that. And the reason that we do that, why do we do that? And that's because that's where the community started in the first place. Okay, that's how a Christian community began in the first place. Because that's what God does through Jesus, isn't it? If you're weak, if you're struggling, if you're in despair, so that's, that's where I was before I became a Christian. I was right on, the, right on the outside of anything. didn't want anything to do with God or any of that stuff. And what God says is he brings the weak and the struggling into the centre 
That's what Jesus does. He brings us into relationship with God. So the community of God starts with this thing called grace, which is the last thing that our community needs. It's grace. It's being given something you don't deserve, being given right for your wrong, being given kindness instead of what might be justice for something that you got wrong. If I make a poor choice, the choice is undone by what Jesus does. So what we get to do as a community is we get to do the same thing. Okay, we get to repay goodness when someone does wrong to us. Not because that's justice necessarily, but, but, or, or fairness, but because we want to build a community that, that relies on that grace being given to each other because it shows who God is and who he's always been for us. Okay, so we have a way that we teach this to our children. Um, can I, ooh, can I have, oh, thank you. I prepared Eleanor for this. So, take a block. Okay. So, Eleanor, I'm going to do something nasty to you. Okay? I'm going to insult you. I'm going to steal something from you. I'm going to be unkind to you. Okay? So, I'm going to do. All right. And what that's going to do is that's going to put a block in between us, a divider in our relationship. Okay? So, I've done. Now, this is how divisions and barriers spring up between people. You can't see the block, can you, at the back? Right, let's do this here. Yeah, it doesn't work as an illustration if you put it on the floor. doesn't make. And if we have lots of these barriers, we can't really have a community, can we? You and I can't have a friendship if we start building lots of things on top of one another like that. And if that happens in our community, we're not going to be able to do that well. We're all going to be isolated, essentially, by division and anger and tribalism, which is actually often what we see happen a lot, I think, in the world around us. So, Eleanor, you have a block. You have to respond, okay, to what I did. And you can respond by with a wrong for a wrong, okay? Maybe it might be justice, might be fair, or might have been a real horrible person to you. You can pop that on there if you want to, build more division, or you can turn your block round, and you can start building a bridge towards me instead of a wall, and you can be gracious. You don't have to. That would be a choice. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I said she could choose, and being Eleanor, she kept me guessing right to the end there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, this might look like saying to someone, I forgive you. It might look like doing a kind thing to them, even though you, you've hurt them. They've hurt you. It might look like continuing to teach and serve them, although you find this difficult. But you've started a bridge, you've started to move towards them, and you can keep doing that. And notice what Paul says as well. He says, seek to do good, strive to do good to everybody. Relationship does rely on the other person, doesn't it? You can't lead or teach or have patience or really any relationship with someone who doesn't want one with you. So I could, I could keep being horrible to Eleanor and keep building a wall, and she might just keep trying to be nice to me, and I might, we still might end up divided and not have a relationship because that's my choice too. All we can do, all we can do for one another as a Christian community is do our best to love each other and serve each other and try and work relationships out. And actually, that's what the undeserved kindness of God wants to do, is draw us into doing that. So being a community of God's peace requires leadership, teaching, lots of patience, and grace. And now Paul ends this little passage with, seek to do good to one another. So that's the one another is the church, that's who he's been talking to, and to everyone. Who is the everyone? The everyone is everyone else. Everyone who is at the moment where a lot of us were before, we, like on the outside, who wouldn't come to church on a Sunday, who wouldn't say that they know anything about Jesus, who might even poo-poo the entire idea of Jesus. Okay? 
John 13, 35 is one of my favorite scriptures about this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Being a community of God's peace is for the world around us. It's for us. It's for us to build something really special and wonderful that feels like family and feels like home and does authority well and does leadership well and does teaching well and labors and serves and cares and is kind and is patient and truthful and gracious, so full of grace. That's what we're called to be in this space. But it's also who we're called to be as we go out there Monday to Saturday and we try and tell people and show people who Jesus is. That's what the world needs, isn't it? And that's what God wants to do in the world is to care for it and serve it and labor for it and carry its bag and help it grow strong and teach it truth and lead it home to God. That's what God wants to do in the world and he sends us to do it. And that's the end point of our community together as church. That's who God wants us to be. So, we're going to come into a time of some prayer and some worship now. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.